This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. Exit night. Enter light. The future is crypto progressive decentralization. So, we should do like a intro episode or something, right? Yeah. I'll start with myself. My name is Sam. I host another podcast called Must Triumph. It's a modern philosophy podcast. So, what does that mean? It means I teach philosophy, mixing storytelling and music. And excerpts from books and movies to kind of teach philosophy for modern life in my own way. From a perspective of someone who grew up not only training martial arts, but watching pro wrestling and anime, comic books. So something for everybody. And I'm his friend. You're more than that. You're also a very old friend. Yeah, yeah. And you've watched a lot of YouTube. Tons. So that's a big deal. Yeah. And as far as me, I've thought about things, lots of things. So I'm kind of an expert at everything. Yeah. So there you go. There should be more to an intro show, right? Yeah. Like that's what they do in intro episodes. Yes. <laughs> We actually just came up with this a couple hours ago. So. As you can tell, we're already experts at this. We've already kind of mastered the podcasting thing. Yeah, I'd say we're black belt low at this point. Or this kind of a two person improvisational live kind of podcasting thing that people do normally. This is how you do a podcast, right? You just turn on the mic and then you just start talking. And then sometimes you have guests, right? Yeah. Should we have guests? Yes. My hesitation is. That's like the default format of podcasts. That's like what everybody does. They're like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. I want to have interesting conversations where it's like TED Talks or NPR, but less stuffy. I'm going to bring on somebody. We're just going to go back and forth and we're going to have this natural conversation. Is that what, you, what you're supposed to do? I think that's the natural flow of things when things get big enough. I don't know. I'm still undecided. The big chunk of this was to create a podcast. For people who are on the left, who also enjoy professional fighting, combat sports, and other kind of more, I don't know, things that might stereotypically be associated with the right. But I think there's also a spectrum of people that on the left who enjoy those same things or maybe enjoy it even more. So maybe we need shows like this to kind of embrace that. Yeah. So if you had a guest list or people you could invite, who would it be? Yeah. What, what is the nature of guests? Also, why, why would they come on? Would they be like coming on here because they want to sell their book or something? Sell their books, their appearance, their tour dates, their or, supplements. Or they got in hot water and they need to explain themselves. Is that the kind of guests we want? I don't know. But everybody at some point has said something controversial. So you want to be able to explain your stance on why you thought what you did or why you said what you said. 
But why would they come on our show? Like, if we can't get those people, can we, like, get somebody who could do an impersonation of them? I think that would be the cheaper route, yeah. What if we start a whole new genre of podcasting where we don't, we don't even do real interviews? We do a what-if interview. Like, what if we got this person on the show? What, what might they say? And then we'll bring in somebody who impersonates their voice. And then that'd be much easier than getting, like, Donald Trump on here. That'd be way more entertaining, too. Because you can ask things that we normally might be given a list of no-fly zones. Like, you can't ask about Syria. You can't ask about steroid testing. Are you, are you implying that Donald Trump is on steroids? Yeah, of course he's on steroids. <laughs> he's 74 and he's president and he's not dead yet. He's got to be on something. He doesn't even pass the smell test. You look at the dude and you know he's on everything. He's like on TRT, HGH, creatine, psychedelics. No dose. I'm just saying, if USADA ever got past the White House and they drug tested Donald Trump, that would break the meter. If you're on everything. Everything. The guy doesn't sleep. Yeah. How is that humanly possible? He might be one of those guys who roids, but then doesn't work out. So just like he gains mass, but it doesn't turn into muscle. <laughs> he just roids for the mass, but he's, he doesn't want to put, put in time in the gym. So it just turns into fat. So he just does 50% of the actual work involved. He takes the drugs, but he doesn't actually do the next steps. So that's why he thinks he's alpha, because like he's taking the steroids, what alpha people think, yeah. but then he's not doing the work. Yeah, that's clearly why a lot of times you should read the instructions. He even said exercise is bad for you because he thinks you have this finite life bar. And every time you exercise, it decreases the life bar. Like you're a Street Fighter character. It made perfect sense when I was a kid. And I was like, I can't take any more hits. I'm going to die and then magically come back in round two. Remember, like, the worst thing is when somebody gets you in the corner in Street Fighter and then they duck down and they cheapo you where they just do the super fast low kicks on you forever. And then every time you try to jump out of it, then they kick you down or like dragon punch you. It was always the worst. And then I could never find out. Stop fucking doing this. I need to get out. That's a lot of like, the way politics and social media works now. They just like get you in the corridor and then they just, Ken was really good at this because he had a strong dragon punch, but he would like get you in the corner and do that super rapid leg kicks, ducking down. And then every time you try to jump out of it, he would do the dragon punch and knock you back down. And then he would do the same thing over and over. Uh, the guy I hated the most was Dasim because he could do it from any range. So he was the ultimate range fighter. So it doesn't matter if you're in a corner. He'll just still get you. I'm like, what the fuck? I thought I was at a safe away distance. I always thought Dalsim was like based on Gandhi. But then that didn't make sense because Gandhi was a pacifist. Yeah. And then he only could breathe fire half the time, not all the time. Yeah. Wait. (laughs) Is fire breathing? Is that something Hindus do? Or is that just a Gandhi thing? I don't know. Isn't that how Gandhi beat the British? Fire breathing. Yeah, because they were like, fuck it, we can't stop this guy. So they just kind of left. Isn't that how it is? My version of history is a little warped, but that's what I understood it to be. According to Google, I think that is correct. That's the beauty of podcasts, right? You can't see us like Googling shit. Yeah. So I just Google fact checked everything we just said and everything is correct. 100%. But then there's also a lot of fights coming up that we could kind of talk about and break down. All right, let's do it. What do you want to start with? I don't know, because I don't know when we're going to air this. So whatever we say might be outdated. Or, you know, what we could do is just say, hey, fighter A, he kicked that 
fighter B's ass. And then later on, we'll edit in the names of the people. Yeah. So we'll just do like a template, template show. <laughs> and then every future episode, we just keep reusing the same template, like sound template. Like the future me will edit in, you know, the names of the fighter. So motherfucking fighter A. Did you see how it beat the shit out of fighter B? And, you know, and then, and then in the edit, I'll add in, you know, motherfucking Conor McGregor beat the shit out of Logan Paul or something. That could be a future matchup or something, right? Logan Paul? He's got to get at least like two more fights in. He still has that rematch with KSW coming up. You can't say he has a matchup coming up because we don't know where this, this might be being aired in our, well, it will be being aired in our future. So by the time this airs, that might have even happened already. So it sounds like you're trying to describe like a video game because you can kind of potentially go through many different combinations, but the video game is limited by what sound bites the announcers have already recorded. Yeah, like I have to make a perennial show because not only do I not know when we're going to air this, but also we don't know when people are going to listen to this. So we don't want it to be dated. So are you going to like do super, super template style where it's like, that was a great right high kick. That was a great left high kick. No, we could go further than that. Not only that, but, you know, because this is also kind of it's not that it's a political show. It is about combat sports and fighting and even like action movies or whatever. But we're going to own the politics, meaning like if we have political views or whatever, we're going to share them because they come together anyway. It just happens that most of the time when you listen to something or watch a YouTube video about combat sports and they start going off on tangents, it, it tends to be right wing. And it's like, okay, that's cool. Uh, what about something on the other side of the dial, you know? We won't shy away from that. We won't try to be, you know, oh, we can't be political, you know, whatever. We're not going to censor ourselves. We'll say whatever we want. But with that said, then, then we could even do a template where, like, I could say something like, well, President, person A, <laughs> he or she <laughs> gave that speech and it was something. You know, and then we could just fill in the blank. We could just record like 20 of these kind of shows in the first couple of weeks and then never have to record again and then have shows for the rest of our lives. I guess that's true. It's a good way to have this cookie cut program where we just, okay, who's fighting who? Who's elected who? Which country did we bomb? Oh, we haven't recorded that country yet. Let's just put in that country, slide it in there and then call it a day. Yeah. And also you guys can't see, but I actually have a studio, but we don't even need to use this in the future, right? Once we record these, these episodes, then like wherever you are, wherever I am, you know, we could record something on our phone as far as like the names of people, like I'll say president Kanye West, you know, and then you'll record the same thing. And then we can splice it together wherever. Cause all we needed to do is change single words. Actually, we could even do that ahead of time. We could say every person's name there is yeah. ahead of time and then create like a library and then insert those in into the future as needed. But we can't just say celebrity names because we don't know who's going to be the celebrities in the future. So we could just start like just saying John, Paul, Linda, and <laughs> like a library of names. And then like they dropped a bomb or signed a peace treaty. We are innovating podcasts. I don't know why people didn't think of this. Why do all this hard work of constantly doing a new episode? Just do all the busy work ahead of time. Be efficient. You know, like jujitsu, be efficient. 
You know, you went from having guests to just making templates for everything within this couple of minutes. I'm already thinking ahead. I'm a long-term thinker. Even with guests, we could take people who are famous and then record stuff they said on other people's podcasts or interviews or whatever, and then chop it up into individual words. And then we could just have infinite interviews with everybody. You're thinking way too far. <laughs> of course. We got to try to save time. You know, the nice thing about podcasts or the, the dream of every podcaster is that you can just kind of do these and not work so hard. Yeah, the Dave Rubin model. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Videodrome? No, what is that? It's uh, this movie by uh, this guy named David Cronenberg, where in the movie they started this cult and the dude was like dead for a long time already, but he had already pre-recorded himself saying everything. And this movie was like back in the mid, early 80s or whatever. So they were already thinking about that shit back then. And now we have the technology to do that. Just infinitely existing forever with new content on the internet just by splicing shit together. Right? We're getting deep now. It actually sounds like something that would happen now. Like you record stuff. And then there's like this tree of what to do. Like if this, play this video. If this is the result, play this video. Yeah, that's like algorithms. If this, then that. It's like a decision tree. Yeah. You know? We're elevating podcasts now. We went from small talk to medium talk. Now we're doing extra large talk. So at some point, it's just going to be no talk. It's just going to be plug this in and then call it a day. Yeah. Post talk. We're going to get to post talk. Already in one episode, we went from small talk to post talk. So you want to be like the emoji of podcasts where you just insert one thing and then it's just like, oh, that's And then And then go all the way back to cave drawings. (laughs) It's full circle. Yeah, it's full circle. And then it goes back to our original theme. That's like caveman days and then, you know, fighting over bone. And that was the origin of combat sports, right? That's where <laughs> that's where people say it came from. I don't know if that's what happened. Maybe maybe it never happened that way. Maybe professional fighting never started with like one caveman saying like, give me that bone. Maybe it was like the way it happens still today, which is like one caveman is like, hey, I will give you these bones for you to fight that other dude. That actually sounds more realistic. Maybe it wasn't the fighters that happened first. It was like the Don Kings existed first or or the Paul Heymans or the Vince McMahons were like there first. And then the fighters came. Maybe we got this whole chronology wrong. Yeah, I could see that where the promoter saw something happen, like two people fighting and it's like, how can I make money off this? And then boom professional fighting came about because otherwise it would just be at that street level of i want what you have but then no one makes money off of it except the guy beating the one guy for it but in a professional fighting it's like hey you guys want to see these two people fighting yeah pay me x amount and you get to witness it it's like all right that sounds great so maybe that's the true origin of professional fighting it's like prostitution Yes. You want me to do this thing? But dirtier. Yeah. You want me to do this thing? Give me money. Yeah. I consent based on money or some exchange of value. And here's the other thing. The idea of money is based around exchange of value. And that existed way before capitalism. So capitalism is something else. It's refinement of how to do trade. So 
right now, a lot of people are like trying to say capitalism invented everything. And it's like, no, it didn't. It came like after mercantilism. So already trade and stuff was happening. It was just an attempt to make things more efficient. So what capitalism was trying to do was take everything that already existed and then introduce laissez-faire. Really, it just started because people wanted to get rid of tariffs. So real quick, can you explain exactly what mercantilism is for people who don't understand? Mercantilism was like this kind of transition period after, I don't know if it's right after feudalism. There's been so many terms, but, you know, oligarchs, feudalism, there, there was like lords, it was more aristocracy. And then it was a shifting away from them to the merchants. The merchant class was really evolving the world. So globalization was already happening originally through conquerors and lords and barons. And then it started changing to the merchants. And then capitalism came. It's like, don't tariff the merchants. Let them do what they need to do so that capital can move freely. And capital just doesn't mean money. Actually, capital, anything can be capital, labor capital. So even people, let them move freely. This was the idea of mm. free movement so that you could create maximum efficiency. And I mean, that never happened. We're not living under that. Wait, what are we living under? Adam Smith's idea of capitalism was utopian, and we're not in utopia. And we've never had that. That's the thing about a lot of things. It, it, there are these aims. And actually, you know, Marx was an idealist. In fact, socialism existed before Marx. I don't know if it was before he was born, but socialism had already existed before Marx. So it's not like he invented socialism. That was his attempt to try to make that more efficient. A lot of his ideas, I don't think we had the technology yet. A lot of people say we couldn't apply those ideas because it had to happen after a lot of cultural and economic shifts. And we're seeing it now. It's this marriage of socialism and anarchists where it's like, well, whether it's a private oligarch or a public oligarch, we don't want these things to rule our lives. And that kind of idea existed for a while. And then it kind of disappeared. But I think it's coming back through democratic socialism, how you're going to even do that, I don't know. But what's interesting to me is technology-wise, that's what blockchains are trying to do. This emergence of leftism and the emergence of the crypto community are all coming from like the same intense and same like problems that they're seeing. And I think it goes way back. But now I think blockchains are offering a solution or a potential solution. We're not there yet. And it has its own problems. So we went from like small talk to post talk. Now we're talking crypto. Is that, is that what a podcast does? They never stay on topic. I think that's the beauty of it. We never had a topic from the beginning though. Yeah, I almost forgot what we were talking about. Maybe this was the always the thesis. Actually, I could edit this so that I'll insert something talking about crypto. <laughs> And then, I'll, then we'll use all this to lead us back to here. And then it'll seem all orchestrated, right? Like it'll seem a lot more planned. It'll seem a lot more flowy and has a coherent beginning, middle, end. That's the other thing. How do you end podcasts? Like how do you end an episode? It's always so awkward. It's just like, you know what they always do? The basic, the basic shit is to say, oh, this episode's been going blah, 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 like this length of time. Actually, we could do a template. I could do a template ending where it's like, this episode has been going X, X, X. And then we'll insert like the, the length and the time to wrap up. 
I think it's just people get sick of it or they have stuff to do or they, okay, I have to get to Whole Foods by two, so we need to wrap this up. So no matter what topic they're on, it's like 145. It's like, well, that was interesting, man. Let's do this again sometime. And then that's it. It doesn't matter what they're on, even if it was like, yeah, and then that's the first trauma I've experienced. Like, wow, it's, that's deep. Well, all right, well, thank you for your time. And then that's it. And then they just go home. Maybe that's the thing. It's like, we got to wrap this up. Every guest is trying to go to Whole Foods before the fucking parking lot. That's fucking a nightmare. What the fuck? So the whole premise is let's finish this shit up before the Whole Foods parking lot gets packed. Yeah. And now Whole Foods is owned by Amazon, right? Yeah. Jeff Bezos was at home and he told Alexa, like, Alexa, buy Whole Foods. And then Alexa's just like, buying Whole Foods, 13 billion. He's like, oh, no. Oh, whatever. Just, all right, just let it be. What if he has like a special Alexa that is like omnipotent because he has so much money. And so it could do whatever. Because people have a hard time understanding how much money, how much money does a trillionaire have? If you turn dollars into seconds, a trillion seconds will be 31,000 or more years, maybe 32,000 years. That's how much it'll be in time, I think. Actually, let me stop, Google this. Of course, Google says I'm correct, so there you go. That's the thing. I could be Googling this. I'm always fact-checking while we're doing this, so this is accurate. You could trust everything we say. 32,000 years? That's older than what the Bible claims the world is. (laughs) Yeah, by a lot. And then if you're a millionaire, if you have a million seconds, it's 11 days. A billion seconds is about 31, 32 years. So a trillion is about 31,000 years. So that's the difference, folks. When we're talking about billionaires and then now we're getting to trillionaires, people are like, oh, how much, how how powerful are these billionaires, right? Because you're like, they're just like a bigger millionaire. And it's like, no, they're exponentially more powerful. Like you see the influence a millionaire can have, we'll take that and then put it on an exponential curve. And it's like, it went from a big ape to Godzilla. And then from there to a trillionaire is like, you take Godzilla and then now you take the universe. And that's the difference with a trillionaire. And that's the influence Bezos has. So who knows what kind of Alexa he has? He probably could do something like, hey, Alexa, buy up this town. Actually, I think he does own a town. Yeah, aren't all these cities competing for a race to the bottom to try to get Amazon to open up their second location? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like the Olympics. Everybody wants it to like destroy, <laughs> to come and destroy their town. Yeah, it never made sense to me. It's like, why would you intentionally want a company like Amazon to come and exploit your labor force and pay zero taxes? And it's crazy how, if you think about it, because you could be a millionaire and lose everything pretty quickly. You could lose millions in a bad summer and some shitty investments. Billionaire, you have to actively work to lose all that money. Trillionaire, I think even if you did nothing but make mistakes for 30 years, you still probably couldn't lose that money. You'll never lose that money. Yeah. But what could happen is that money can become worthless. Like we could have runaway inflation and then that money becomes like Zimbabwe dollars. There's people who are trillionaires in Zimbabwe dollars and it's like worth pennies. What's runaway inflation? Where there's so many dollars in circulation or money in circulation that now 
whatever you got is worthless. Or the, the other way you could have it is like people just started losing faith because they don't know how many are in circulation because it's all based on good faith. I go to a store and I give them money and they take it on based on good faith that we're both trusting that this was worth something. Not only worth something, we're both trusting that it's worth the same amount. We're agreeing that a dollar is worth a dollar. But that's all kind of a, a social agreement. And we could lose complete faith in that. And that's happened throughout history over and over. And it's even happened in the U.S. during the Depression. So he could have it and then it could go to, it could go to nothing. That's possible too. So you're telling me Donald Trump's original plan of just printing more money wouldn't work? That's like something even right-wing economists don't want. Actually, a lot of right-wing people don't want any of the things. It's like these classifications aren't monoliths because there's people who are on the right who are more thinking about things in economic determinism way where it's all forces of economics. So you're only right-wing because right-wing tends to lean more laissez-faire. But Trump is doing things where it's not laissez-faire. Like you shouldn't print more money. You shouldn't raise the deficit. You shouldn't put on tariffs. So he's doing things that are more classically big government, protectionist, but also things that were uh, more associated with old school communism. So, you know, we're in the world of gonzo politics. It's hard to tell what's what. It's all the bizarro world. You know, in Superman, there was like the bizarro Superman. And everything. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like everything was reversed. Everything was just weird, right? It wasn't like up was down and down was up in Bizarro World. It was just like everything was like kind of here except just weird. Because even like if up was down, if it was the opposite, then I'll oh, flip everything and then it makes sense. Whereas mm -hmm. this is just Bizarro version. So you can never figure out exactly. Oh, that's not how you do it? No, we do it this way. But okay, I guess. It's completely incoherent. Right. And that's where we're at. We're at these like completely incoherent ideologies. Who would you say is the most classic definition of Republican? Which president best fit that mold? Or was there ever one that actually lived up to those ideals? Yeah, I don't know, because I don't even know what Republican means. I don't think Republicans know what that means. Actually, Democrats don't know what Democrat means because it's like language. It's fluid. It changes over time. Conservative used to be applied to Democrats. Now it's applied to Republicans. Progressive, that term has gone back and forth between the two parties. So now where we are is progressivism is on the left. Conservatism is on the right. But that's flip-flop too. So there's no historically accurate way to define these two parties. So I don't even know who's the, who's like the most authentic because these are not authentic terms. This is also some shit we just came up with also. It's not like a caveman knew what a Republican or a Democrat was. We came up with that shit in the last couple hundred years. Isn't it crazy how, at least in the States, there's only two parties? Like, uh, what other big major decision just has two choices? Like it's either this or this. Like we have more choices for lunch. Yeah, that was the American experiment. The rest of the world was like, okay, you guys are going to start something from scratch and you're going to create a system that really is dualistic where you can only really have two parties. Let's see how this works. Because other countries can have multiple parties because they have parliament. The founders, the settlers, whatever, decided we're not going to use a parliamentary system. 
which only really allows for two parties. But a lot of that might have come from religion. It's this like angels and demons, dualistic kind of thinking. So that kind of fit what the original people that came from Europe to the U.S. were like these overzealous religious outcasts who were like too religious even for their own home countries. So maybe it's like an outgrowth of that as well. You know, they wanted also like a heaven or a hell, nothing in the gray. And that's how we started. And that's how we still are. You hear people complaining about nuance. We never had nuance. It's always been angels and demons, black or white, left or right, Republican or Democrat, heaven or hell. You know, this is a country that was founded by Puritans. So there you go. <laughs> when you want to see a country, what a country looks like when it's founded by Puritans, here we are. But luckily, other ideas and other people started coming and then kind of like toning it down and not making it so rigid and more open to change. And we started adopting. We started adding other elements to it from the global world, like a public language where we take words from a lot of different countries and we start adopting it into our language. Like we have a lot of German words we say. We have a lot of words from, I don't know. Actually, it's a lot of German words, but there are words from other countries that have been absorbed into our language. And then politics really is downstream from culture. So as culture changes, even though there's this rigid black or white way that it started, what can change is their interpretations. That has changed. And all the people that informed America and made America what it is by coming here are part of that. Part of why the interpretations of the, all these, what the founders did has changed and evolved for the better. And there's this kind of want to go back to pure interpretations, like as if it was the Bible or something, as if the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is a Bible and even the Bible. Trying to treat it like the Bible doesn't make it a better case. If anything, treating it like the Bible makes it a worse case. Like we should not be treating that thing as a Bible because the way people treat the Bible already is problematic. Yeah. So that's not an argument to say, oh, this is the better way to do things. If anything, that's an argument to say that's the worst way to do things. Yeah, because a lot of people will talk, especially on the right, about how this country was founded on Judeo-Christian values. But it's like, that doesn't make sense because then we wouldn't really have free speech because that wasn't really allowed in the Bible. And also, it's like this retconning of history, like Judeo-Christian values. It used to be just like Christian values. Even, uh, I would say less than 10 years ago, that was what people claim Christian values. They added the Judeo part more recently. I would say in the last five years, pundits and people online and like part of like the culture wars, the right is like Judeo Christian values. It's like, what are you talking about? Like a couple of weeks ago, you used to just say Christian values. And it's like, what you're hearing now is the rhetoric of trying to create these alliances. Years ago, even in George Bush Jr.'s era, you were never going to have Baptists and evangelicals and Orthodox Jews defend a Catholic like Kavanaugh. That but is then crazy. Unite the right. All these different groups that always had this purity contest. You guys aren't the real beliefs, especially under Reagan era. You were never going to get Protestants to defend some Catholic who was trying to get onto the Supreme Court. And now you're seeing that happen. It was this coalescing. So... Same thing with Judeo-Christian values. That wasn't a thing. I mean, that was a term, but it was something used in academics. 
And that yes. was like when the right didn't like academics, but now they're like, oh no, it's Judeo-Christian values. Even with that, that's changed. It's fluid. Things are changing. Things change. That's it. That's something you can't even argue about. Things change. We're not even going to be made of the same atoms we were a couple years ago. Everything is always changing. So what's the big deal? Shit changes. Yeah, people just want to hold on to what they know. And a lot of times, new things are scary. What they know is even changing because their memory is shit. Nobody has photographic memory. So whatever you think you're holding on to is based on shit memories anyway. Yeah, things that I thought were pleasant. Now I look back, it's like, that was a terrible time in my life. Why am I retconning this in my own mind? Is it just so I could cope with the trauma? People are like, oh, we need a celebrity as president. Or we need a businessman. Maybe we need a therapist as president. You know, if we're talking about healing the country, maybe we need a shrink up there. Just like, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> what, if, what if it was President X <laughs> up there? You know, maybe in some future podcast, I'm talking about some president and he's a psychiatrist or something. He gives some speech or she gives some speech or whoever gives some speech. And instead of giving a typical speech, it's like a therapy session. Just starts asking us questions. Tell me about your childhood. You know, (laughs) tell me about your mother. Things like that. Would that be creepy? No, I think that would be a lot better. It's better than what I'm getting now. I'm just getting shouting matches and battles with other countries. I'm like, this is not what I signed up or voted for. Why am I getting this? But at least if I get a therapy session out of it, I was like, oh, great. I saved 200 bucks. You know, healthcare costs so much and that's such a big issue. What if we got at least free mental health care from our president? Our president provided for us free mental health care because they're a therapist. I would vote for that candidate in a heartbeat. They have to be a good therapist. They can't be a shitty therapist. And they can't just tell us to take drugs either. It's got to be like, you know. Like a holistic? No. (laughs) No, just somebody who's like... Actually, let's go back. What if Obama, instead of being a lawyer, was a therapist? But he had that same voice, that booming good voice. But it's like, tell me about your childhood, you know? Yeah, I'd be starting... Telling secrets that I haven't told anybody. Yeah, we'd be just talking to our phones or our, our computer screens or our TVs, wherever we're listening. And we're just like <laughs> crying and telling the president our problems. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what we need from a leader. Empathy? Actually, maybe that is what we need. And that's why we're getting what we're getting is because we don't want a policy guy up there. What we really need is some kind of therapist up there. But since we don't have a therapist... In that vacuum, we'll take anybody that we feel like we could cry to, we could complain to, or we could be like, fuck, this is what I'm pissed off about, you know? That would normally be a therapist, but you don't have that, so you're going to go to Donald Trump. That is a very, very cheap substitution. At that point, I'd rather have nobody, to be honest. They're like, President Trump, this shit annoys me. That shit bothers me. And what does he do? He's like, that shit bothers me too. That shit's annoying. In the vacuum of good therapy, you just get that commiserator. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I don't have a job. That's not cool. You should have a job. Yeah. Wait, nothing was solved, but you feel better. I'm like, yeah. He's always talking about how things are fucked up and like how awful things are. He's like a misery bitch, you know? That person who's <laughs> like, you go and you're like, fuck. 
they're always down to commiserate with you. It's like, I hate those people. It's like, yeah, I hate them too. It's like a Brendan Schaub, you know? <laughs> how, is, how is Trump like Brendan Schaub? So let's say the country is Joe Rogan, where it's like, yeah, I can't believe fighters do that. Yeah, me too. It's like, you didn't solve anything, but you just agreed. And then it's fun to have you around. So they just bring you everywhere. And I was like, yeah, fuck, he could be president. Why not? He agrees with everything I say. So sure, just give him four years. If I like him, another four, and then we'll call it a day. <laughs> so we're due for like a decade of Brendan Schaub. Uh, we should end there. Yeah. The shobbing of America. That's where we're at. We've been shobbed. The shob era. Have you ever seen his like grappling match from a couple of years ago? I was there live. That was like one of the worst. When, and when I say worst, folks, meaning boring, like the guy who was fighting was this, he's a jiu-jitsu guy who also takes the name called Cyborg. There's two MMA fighters who use that same name. But anyway, Cyborg's trying to like grapple, make this an exciting match and just shob is shobbing him, just avoiding him, just trolling him the whole time. Pretend it's going to engage and then just runs away. It's a good strategy. But you know what he did do is get the fucking crowd pissed off. I remember there were no finishes in that event, except the main event, Crone versus Aoki. And that kind of saved the whole thing or else it would have just flopped terribly. (laughs) The shopping of America is like that match where he just pisses everybody off. And that's what Donald Trump is doing. Yeah. And there is no later match. Save. See, this is it. There's no Crone Gracie versus Shinya Aoki to like save the contest. That 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 was like that was the main event, and that's just how it went down. We just left with a bitter taste in our mouth. Then there would have been no Metamorphs three. That would have just been it. And all the fighter and the kid fans are like, "Oh yeah, that was cool." And the rest of us are like, "Nah, man, that sucked. I want my money back. That was a boring match." And that's where we're at. Oh, we're fucked. I think we've been recording for ten hours. Jeez, I don't even know. I kind of lost track. Ten and a half hours. That's a good amount of time, right? Like, uh, that's a good time to, to end this. Yeah. Right here. It's more than a work day. And uh, we got to thank our sponsors. We're sponsored by, uh, by Lamborghini. Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin Cash. Amazon. But one day we might have, <laughs> one day we might have, we might have sponsors. That'd be cool, right? To do this right, we got to watch a lot of pay-per-views. And that shit is like, what, 60, 70, sometimes like, what was, and Connor versus Floyd, that was like 100 bucks. Like, that ain't cheap. We need money. Yeah. We're not asking for money yet. But we might one day. So if we do, you know, you don't want to give us money, that's cool. But if we do, let us do that. Let us ask for money. Okay? Don't judge us. Well, I guess you're free to judge us. But what I'm really telling you is we might. So that's it. It's not really even a debate or an argument, or a civil discourse. It's just letting you know we may, in the future, ask for money or have sponsors. This is like a post-it note. Hey, I might borrow your car tomorrow. Just letting you know. (laughs) Just letting you know ahead of time. Okay, I have to get to Whole Foods by two, so we need to wrap this up. This episode has been going ten and a half hours. Time to wrap up. Well, that was interesting, man. Let's do this again sometime.